To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch buck? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Good morning, guys. I uh, got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So this week on the podcast, I have on Solo Hunter's Tim Burnett. Uh, I've had a good time getting to know Tim. Uh, we've actually sat down and recorded a couple podcasts. Um, well, I only have the, the audio for one. I, uh, there's a glitch in the matrix, and I only got one side of the audio in our first recording. So I had to call Tim and tell him, hey, I messed up uh, You know that, that time you took out of your busy schedule to record with me. I only got one side of the audio, but... Um, he was extremely gracious and nice and, and uh, said, no big deal, we'll reschedule, and just shows the, the type of guy he is, um, just real nice and humble, and, and uh, so I really enjoyed our conversations. Uh, he's one of the best in the business at, at capturing his hunts um, all by himself, solo hunting, uh, so that's the theme of the podcast today is, is solo hunting, but yeah, he's, he's just great at, at being able to, to capture those hunts and tell the story and all by himself out there, which is extremely difficult. Uh, he, you know, he also does the majority of his hunts on public land. So, uh, me sitting at home watching his show, you know, I can really appreciate that. Um, I know how difficult it is out there on public land and, and he's out there grinding with us. So, uh, I really enjoyed the conversation and I think you guys will too. Uh, sponsor for today's show is High Mountain Seasonings. Uh, so they're a new sponsor for us, um, but a great company. They're Wyoming-based. Um, I've used their jerky seasonings before. They've got a few different types. Um, I've used their pepper, and it's really good. Um, they have summer sausage seasonings. They have snack stick seasonings. Uh, they have marinades for steaks. They, they've got just a bunch of really cool products out there. And and if you're doing any of your own processing or, or making anything out of your game animals, uh, that's the company to go to. So you can check them out. Uh, they've got a website where you can order things off of um, at High Mountain Seasonings. And thanks to those guys for sponsoring the podcast. Um, over there at Eastman's, yeah, we're just grinding away here. Um, yeah, the podcast is doing good. We're we're all really excited about that and, and uh, really excited about the Beyond the Grid, the, the internet TV show on YouTube. Um, that's been doing real well. And then our, you know, our, our mainstays, the, the magazine, I've got a new article I'm going to write in the next Eastman's bow hunting journal. Um, and, and then also the, um, TV show on the outdoor channel. That's going well. Uh, I want to put together a couple hunts this year. So hopefully I can draw a couple good tags and, and try to capture those and put those out there. I, I, I really enjoy doing that. So, um, just a great company and I'm going to get back over and record some podcasts here in the next couple months. But, uh, yeah, we're all just plugging away busy in spring. I know I'm looking forward to bear season. Um, I might even get out and try to get a turkey this year. It's been a handful of years since I've gone and done that. That would be kind of fun. And it it happens kind of that first part of April before bear season really gets going. So I may make a trip and um, see if I can't uh, go get a gobbler as well. Um, so anyways, that's what we're up to. Uh, I'm going to get this podcast rolling. So um, me and Tim Burnett on Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Okay, I'm live here with Tim Burnett. Um, Tim, thanks so much for being on. So this is our second go-around. Um, I, I had a problem with the recording on the first one, so uh, thanks so much for being on again. 
Oh, that's all right. If, uh, if I, I'm, I honestly say it wasn't isn't the first time that that's happened. So maybe it's either maybe it's either the content of the podcast wasn't exactly what you wanted, or there really was a technical glitch, right? <laughs> that's right. Well, um, gosh, I I always hate making mistakes with the audio like that. But um, yeah, I I sent you a text and you were willing to be on again. So um, just save my bacon. But it always happens on those those great conversations too. Um, but uh, this one will be like deja vu a little bit. Well, it's kind of funny. It's ironic. I just listened to a podcast that uh, Remy did with Ben O'Brien at, at Yeti on the Hunting Collective, and exact same thing. They they apparently recorded this ghost podcast somewhere that was just the most amazing content and story ever, and it got lost, so they had to redo it. So, <laughs> well, it's a, a podcaster's worst nightmare, but um, <laughs> you know sometimes it's a reality, and it's just um, you're trusting Skype and your your recording software. And I have a bunch of checks I go through, but this was just a new issue with a new computer. But um, we're on here now. That's all that matters. Uh, it's not a problem. Conversations are easy to be had. You know when you're talking about something that we love, which is hunting and bow hunting and all that. So I don't mind it at all. And besides it's, it's a Monday morning. There's not a lot going on. So yeah, well, thanks Perfect man. Timing. I haven't had, I haven't strung myself out on as much caffeine as I did on in our last conversation. So we should be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I got to watch that with myself as well. I love that coffee in the AM. Yeah. yeah it, uh, I just got to be careful to scale myself back from, uh, from anything so no but I, I appreciate the opportunity to do it and uh maybe the second go around will be be just as good as the first yeah there you go well um i'm a huge fan of of your show uh solo hunter on the outdoor channel uh you do such a great job with that show um man it's it's just like and it's evolved over the years as you've just gotten really good at telling the story of a solo hunt which is extremely difficult so um kudos for that and your growth of the show and and uh growth of the of the viewers thank you appreciate it you know it's it's hard for me to kind of sit back and recognize the two parts of of what solo hunter is you know you've got the, the first part of hunting alone, you know, which is really kind of the, the passionate part. And there's a whole whole level of challenges there. But then there's also, you know, I, I hardly even think about the filming side of it anymore because that's just what I have to do in order to tell that story. And yet it's got its own set of challenges. So you, you couple those two together and, man, it's about as, about as hard as anything that I've ever done in life. Oh, I would say uh, me too with the little bit of experience I have with it. Yet it's just extremely difficult. Um, but you do such a great job. Like um, your, your show, it you you tell the story really well, which I think is the most important part of having a good hunting TV show or a next level hunting TV show. Is is you tell the story and we all feel like we're there on the hunt with you, and you you let your emotions come out, and so you show frustration or you show excitement and there there is no acting it just seems like it's the authentic truthful self of of tim burnett which is what i really like yeah, no i appreciate that the writing is one that uh, you know honestly i got to give credit to remy for bringing that to the show because i am not a writer i am not a photographer you know i'm just kind of a rough and raw do what i do and, and enjoy it and he really is kind of you know helped school me on a little bit of the writing and trying to get trying to get better on the actual telling of the story, you know, in the voiceover and all that. When, you, when you're out hunting, it's pretty easy. You're just kind of saying what's going on. But it's it's been a process, and I, I appreciate that. I'm trying to get better at it, you know, and uh, 
hopefully someday I'll get it get it dialed in and to where to where I can sit and watch an episode and think ah I like that you know because I'm I'm my worst critic I'll watch through it and I'm like dang it I should have changed that before I sent it to the networks you know so oh I'm I'm there with you. Um, I'm my toughest critic as well. Whenever I watch myself on TV or even hear myself on the podcast, there's always things that I could have done better or different. Or, um, but, but you know, that's that's part of the journey and part of the process and part of the reason why your show's so good is because you are so critical. Oh, I think I think it was Grady Rawls that I heard say there are there you never finish a project you only turn them you only there's only deadlines or something there's never a finished product project there's only there's only filled deadlines or something like that along well, those lines. Yeah, and that's um, so he's he's saying that uh, eventually you have to turn out a project that you can't just sit and edit it for years on end like uh, eventually there is like you got to turn it in and it's got to go to the networks is that what you mean by that or is that what you <laughs> sure. gather? Sooner or later, the collection is due. You gotta, you gotta just call it done, you know. And I get to the point sometimes where it's like, you know, I'm kind of a good enough kind of guy. Like there's, there's, for me, it's like, it seems like it gets to a point where it's good enough. It's like it's done. It's de- it's good. I could make it. I could, if I make changes to it, am I just making it different or am I making it better, you know? And so when it comes to the actual. TV show side of it, or the films, or whatever, whatever format I'm doing. Like eventually, you just gotta just call it and just just upload that sucker and be done with it. <laughs> well, I think that is the deal with editing: is you could keep changing things uh, till the end of time, but that doesn't mean that it's gonna be any better. So yeah, I think uh, there comes a point in it where you have to be satisfied with the segment or satisfied with the way it came out and go, "Yep, that's good. I don't I don't need to sit here and change things for another five days. I think we've got it." Well, I'm bad for TV. Like I'll get it to that point and I'll send it to the networks, and then when I go. Like now I'm working on all of the stuff that aired on TV last year is now going to be released on YouTube and, and other other various formats. And we, we released it last year to Outdoor Channel and the All Access platform. But then a year later, I released those digitally. And here I find myself all last week and the plan this week is going through them and fine-tuning them and changing a few things. So it's, it's a never-ending process, but I think that's part of something that that anything that you do that you just feel like you've got your whole your whole heart and soul into, you know? Yeah. You want it as good as it can be. Yeah, you're passionate about it and yeah, you want to put out your, your best product and um so yeah, it's something that you work at nonstop. And so you say that uh, all access channel, so your show is out on the outdoor channel and then um now people <laughs> that don't have um, you know, the the dish or the cable TV can also watch your show on uh, Solo Hunter, um, your website, right? Yeah, so what I did is a little bit different. Um, you know, it really hasn't been hasn't really been done a lot of in this industry specifically, but even just in the generalist. Typically when you'd finish a season, you'd send those to the network, they'd get aired and then because of contracts we couldn't release those digitally via YouTube or anywhere else for a year or two later, depending on your contract. Well so I launched in July. I launched the Solo Hunter All Access, which is through a membership through our website, and that's they get the they get access to the new episodes first, like either very first or at the same time that they go to TV, and then that that way we can you know get a digital presence out there with some newer content before our television contracts give us the ability to release it publicly. Um, because technically the membership is a private 
is private. So that's kind of the way I got around it and, and to be able to get the content out there. And then a year later, um, we'll re- we release it digitally to to YouTube via the public and then working on some other platforms now. So. Oh, good for you. That's um, kind of how it works. So everybody on All Access will get actually season nine starting. As soon as I finish these episodes up, they'll get them here in the next couple of months. And then they'll go to TV if they go to TV. And then a year from now, they'll, those episodes will go to YouTube when the new ones come out. So. Oh, how cool. Um, yeah, and how creative. Uh, what a creative way to, to get it out there. And, and um, what a what a good deal for your subscribers as well as they get to see the whole season before it comes out on the Outdoor Channel. So you don't got to wait for the, so? the DVR to capture it uh, and watch the whole season coming out. And um, I can't wait yeah. to see it. Like you say, it, it keeps getting better every year. And you and Remy just do such a good job. And the other thing that I really enjoy, like us – the, like the the common thread with us blue collar bow hunters or us blue collar hunters, where you know the majority of your guys's hunts are done on on public land, the same land that we can go do hunts on, and and so that's one of the things that that really hits home for me. Yeah, and those are by far you know my favorite type of hunts. Even when I even when I go come home empty-handed, you know, and I I'm, I don't fill a tag, like those are still my favorite types of hunts and. I kind of feel guilty sometimes because, like, it, in the in recent years, opportunities have come along, you know, to to do other hunts that are not just the beach your brains out public hunts. Like, like this January, you know, Remy and I went to Mexico with a bunch of his buddies, and that was a whole different experience. You're still a do-it-yourself, you know. We we all did our own thing, but um, it wasn't it wasn't like our typical go on the Nevada desert and. And kill yourself and then and then i went to texas you know a couple of times so it's like man i kind of feel a little bit guilty but they were still fun hunts you know so well yeah and, and the way i see it too is you're you're just getting access to quality property and you're you're um you know you're also getting away from the pressure as you are yeah. the only guy hunting it or you and your buddies are a very select few and so you know it's just access to quality property and and uh you know i i don't think i'd do it any different but it is <laughs> nice that you mix and match those public land hunts because those public land and hunts are so difficult and um it, it's so tough to harvest a, a trophy or any animal back on public lands and so to share that with us you know it's it's the the same country and the same hunts that we get to do and so you know yeah. you, you feel connected to it which is really cool tell you what that's that's my passion you know i mean public land archery mule deer public land elk like that's that's like your go-to, something that you see yourself doing for the next of forever, and you never get tired of it. And what is, as soon as the season dates end, you know, it seems like you have the next day where you, you recuperate, and then you're already re- planning for the next hunt, you know. And, and I think a lot of times those hunts that, that are difficult and the adversity that you face, and that, that's, really, that's really what makes the hunt special. You know, is the fact that you've got to work hard for it. The hunts that, I, that I've gone on that that you know were private land or that were a guided hunt or certain things like those those aren't the ones that i look back on and say wow that was that was just a time of my life i mean they're fun in their own rights but they're they're not the ones that i log in the memory bank of awesomeness you know 
It's so funny. It's so counterintuitive, isn't it? Where you think like an easier hunt or where you have more stocks or more game, like those would be the ones that you remember. And they are fun. You do remember. But for some reason, it's always these tougher hunts like the, like my Idaho this year where I went five days without seeing a buck. And then, you know, it was able to to keep going and keep grinding and putting in the miles and eventually find a, a great uh, deep fork four point able to make a, a good stock and get an arrow in them but those are like the lasting memories or the lasting fun I, I don't know if maybe we're cross wired or something Tim where we enjoy that suffering or enjoy those tough grueling hunts or maybe it's just like the more you put into it and the more you sacrifice the more it means to you in the end but it but it is counterintuitive to what you think I think it's like you know for instance this, there's this unit in Nevada that I've hunted for several years and I didn't I haven't hunted the last two years because I'm kind of stocking points because I want to draw something a little different but there was a basically a three-year span there where I was chasing the same bucks and I didn't fill my tag in two of those years and it's just like I, I still to this day I just have this just this aching desire to want to go back to that unit and try to find one of those two bucks or whatever and just get them killed it's just like you just have this unsettled score that you want to you want to go, but it's like, that's all, that's all kind of part of it. You know, you're, you're competing against these animals and when you don't get it done, it's like, just, it makes me want to get out there that much worse, you know? Mm-hmm. You, absolutely. Well, and it's it's not all the it's not fun all the time when you're out there. It's grueling and you're sweating and you're putting on miles and and you're almost you know you're almost miserable at times and you're battling with your own mind and your own confidence out there. But it's it's yeah. pushing yourself to those physical and mental limits that you you grow as a person from it. And then you come back and you can't think but about anything else but that grueling hunt you were on, the miles or the mosquitoes or the you know whatever the case is. But yeah, almost. The, the tougher it is, uh, the more you're drawn to it. And um, I, I think that's a cool thing about backcountry bow hunting or backcountry hunting in general. Yeah, I think it's kind of, a, it's, it's got to be something that's a personality trait for, for a lot of men. You know, I mean, I, I get the same way with golf or with fishing or anything else. It's like, ah, oh, I just, I know I've, I've birdied that hole before. I know I can do it again. You go there and you double bogey and you just all pissed off. And so then you just like want to go back again and, you know, the same type of adrenaline and anxiety with a lot of different things that I get in life, not just bow hunting or hunting. So I think it's just something that I thrive on and, and really enjoy a little bit of a challenge, but you also enjoy a little bit of success, too. <laughs> yes, uh, a little bit of success is nice uh, in between, for sure. And, um, and, well, and it feels like, you, um, like you're like you the top of the world. There's no better feeling on, on earth that I've found is to – to be able to work that hard at something and then execute a, a clean shot on the on the animal you're after and and harvest them and accomplish your goals and pack them out on your back like the 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 lasting fun and uh, the the lasting enjoyment I get out of that you know that's what I'm in it for. Yeah, yeah, and the worst is when you get in there and you, you get that shot and you miss. I'm, that happens to me a lot, so that's. <laughs> That's a whole different level of, of uh, anxiety, frustration. Well, uh, you know, with with bow hunting, where it can take you to your highest highs, it'll also take you to your lowest lows. It's just the balance of thing, the yin and the yang. And so, I'm with you. I think all of us as bow hunters ha- have missed 
you know, I know I have failed a ton and, and failed on stocks and then and then also failed on shots where a lot of times I'll have a chip shot and I'll I'll miss it and I've got better over the years at executing, but uh, but I'm still I'll still make a mistake here or there whether it's a bad range or whether I I tried to rush it a little too much or force a shot in or something like that and you you just keep learning lessons and hopefully hopefully you're learning from those and evolving and that goes into your hunting instinct and you're getting better as you go at least that's the hope for me yeah i mean hunting's a, it's a process it's something it's it's a i guess it's a hobby you know it's, it's i guess it is a kind of a job for some but it's like it's it's just something that you do and it's not something that there's ever an end to you know it's kind of like life there's there's never an end to life there's always going to be something next you know and with hunting it's like the seasons come to an end but then you're always working on the next season or your gear so it's just a process that that is really a part of life that's just fun you know just i'm glad we have it you know oh me too yeah um no, and that's that's why we have to fight to to protect it. But yeah, it is a process, just like life, where we're just trying to improve and get better at it. And um, you know, with with hunting, um, it you never have it mastered. And the the moment you think you do, uh, it'll humble you real quick. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So you do like a lot of solo filming on on the Solo Hunter TV. Have you always been a solo hunter? Yeah, I think so. For the most part, I've been kind of a solo person. You know, I've, I've told the story a few times and and uh, I've talked about it a little bit growing up. Like um, there was a lot of times where, you know, my brother and I would fight a little bit. And so we we were supposed to do the chores together, but we would we would end up I would do them in the morning and he'd do them in the evening because I played football and he didn't. And, and there was just a lot of times where I would just go to mom and say, look, you know, I'm going to go up and sleep on the mountain tonight. And she's like, no, that's fine. As long as you're back in time for chores in the morning and get up and to get to school. So I just always like to do things alone. And I don't know if it was because I was a, de- a depressed kid or if I just liked to be alone a lot of times. And even my first buck, you know, I was by myself and had a lever action 30, 30 and crested up over the hill. And I remember how excited I was to see a, a buck deer because I, I hadn't seen one the year before. And, and to be able to shoot that and drag it off the mountain as, as a 13-year-old, like, that was just what I did. And I remember, you know, a lot of the deer that I shot as a kid, I was by myself. And it was just it was just part of it. And I don't, I don't know if it was because my brothers and I didn't get along or if we were, we were all kind of doing our own thing. But um, it's, just, it's just kind of what I remember. And, of course, there's a lot of times, you know, when you're hunting with friends and with your brothers and that probably more times than I was alone, but I just always enjoyed that. Um, and so it just, it just was kind of a natural, a natural progression, whether I was doing the TV show or not, that's probably how I would be hunting mostly. Um, just cause that's how I like to. Well, yeah, there's, um, and there's definitely benefits to it as you, you are just one person moving through the mountains. So you're making less sound, you know, any of the, the bucks you find or bulls you find, you know, you don't have to worry about who's going to stalk them or who's going to try to kill them. You know, it's all on you. Um, and, and I like doing hunts solo. I like being by myself. I enjoy that, you know, whether it's, it's fishing or hunting or, or even on a trail run. But I also enjoy spending time with friends as well. 
and probably the the best of those worlds is when you can share a base camp with friends or even a backpacking camp where you can go in and then you split off every day and go your your separate routes or your separate missions grab different vantage points hunt different basins and then meet up at night and kind of be together to to share stories and share information and i think you you're more effective that way too. You gather twice as much information, and you got somebody to kind of lean on because solo hunting's tough. Being by yourself for like a seven day or a ten day hunt, you know, all on your own, that that's tough on you mentally, and it takes a little practice to get good at. Yeah, I think for every positive to hunting solo, there's an equal negative, you know, and for every positive to hunting with buddies, there's an equal negative, and so if you to me, like the perfect mix is like you say, to be able to balance that out to where, you know, like a dream hunt is high, high country mule deer with, with you and your buddies or your brothers or whatever. And you're, you're sharing camp and then somebody, you, you split off and cover a bunch of country hunting solo every day. And then somebody finds a big buck and then you're able to hunt together and, and have a spotter guide you in and, and share that experience. Like that, that's kind of an ultimate type of a hunt, you know, um, because it's when you're by yourself, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of advantages to being stealthy and being able to make the decisions. And, you know, you're, you're always the one that draws the long straw, so you get to shoot first, you know, but it's also super tough to make a, a long stock on a vetted mule deer or, you know, something like that on your own without having a spotter. I mean, there's numerous times, um, where I've made a long stock and you get there and the bed's empty. And that's just kind of the, na- the nature of being by yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, uh, I've done that a bunch as well. <laughs> Come up to an empty bed right in bow range and just like, Oh, all that was, was wasted or all that was for nothing. But you know, it, it's just what it is. It, you know, I always say it, it, it isn't the, the first mule deer that's done it to me, and it definitely won't be the last, but you're you're right. You do get a benefit, and I think one of the, the biggest benefits is just uh, mentally. Like um, it, it keeps you up, and you're in a good mood when you're around buddies, and you keep each other up. And also, like maybe you didn't see a buck that day, or you didn't find any deer, but you come back, and your buddy goes, yeah, I found a, a bachelor herd of them, or I found this group of elk over here. Let's go hunt these tomorrow, and so – you know, you you have somebody else that's working just as hard as you sharing information, and it just helps to, to keep the mood up and the, the mood of the hunt because um, it is difficult by yourself. Um, you, you definitely get inside your own head. Yeah, yeah. It takes, it takes an, uh, you know, a kind of a reclusive type of a person, I guess, or maybe a super dedicated type of person. Like one of, one of the best solo hunters I know is Ryan Lampers, you know, and guys like that that just have the ability um, – to just spend a lot of time on their own uh, and just hammer it out and figure it out. But ideally I'd, I'd love, I like to be there with my brother or my buddies. That's, that's the best way to do it. I mean, I, and I think that's the most effective way in general is to have, have some people to, to help you to rely on. Yeah. Um, yeah. That Ryan Lampers is the animal. I've had him on the podcast a couple of times and hung out with him a little bit I, I hear a rumor that he may be moving over to uh, where I'm at here, just south of Bozeman, somewhere here. But, uh, yeah, he's a great guy, um, really strong mindset, great solo hunter, and he just he, – he never gives up. He just hunts hard from, from day one till day ten, grinding and pushing hard. He's got such mental strength. And so, yeah, I, I admire that about him too and, and love talking to him about hunting. Yeah, he's a go-getter. 
Yeah, my I have some friends that joke with me, and they're like, "You're a guy with no friends, Hunter," because it's like I don't have any hunting buddies that live close to me. So <laughs> that's uh, my <laughs> wife always tells me I'm a, I'm my own best friend. Yeah, it's a, there's some truth to that for sure. But I do enjoy hunting with buddies, and we get quite a few that'll stay with me throughout the year, and we'll do hunts together. But I do like hunting that way where you do go in the woods together and kind of split up and you cover twice as much country and you gain twice as much information and then and then you find some critters and then kind of team up and share the experience like you're saying that is the best case scenario yeah i think i think some of it you know is 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 i like my freedom i like i like to be able to come and go as i choose and you know i i I don't ever like to get into a situation where I feel like I'm stuck somewhere because I can't make the, you know, I'm not 100% of the decision. Uh, so there's a lot of times where I'll be on a hunt or something, and if, and I'm the type of guy that if I'm not enjoying it or if I'm not having a good time and and my mind isn't there, I have no issues whatsoever packing the truck and coming home, you know. And I, I think that's part of part of a maturity that I've gone through, and also a part of you know, the fact that I have other things that I like to do in life in addition to hunting and I have a family. And so if, if I feel like I'm wasting my time or my mind is not in it or, uh, you know, it's just not fun, go home. And then, and then I have the ability to be home for a couple of days and turn around and go back, you know, no matter how far it is or where it is. And you can't always do that when you've, when you've got a buddy that's taking time off work and you've scheduled that week and you've got to be there and that, I mean, so it's, I don't know. I guess I guess it's I like I like I like total and complete freedom. Yeah. Well, I'm with you. Schedules just don't line up all the time. And even when you're hunting with buddies, you know, like you say, it's a give and a take. Uh, but you know, being on somebody else's schedule is always tough for me. You know, just when you're going to leave and when you're going to come out and what they've got scheduled. And and you made a good point there, too. Like when your mind's not in it or you're not running into animals, like taking a couple days off is sometimes the your best option. And, um, you know, you, you can't always do that when when everybody's planning for it and off of work. And there there is a time to to throw in the towel or there is a time to move areas like you want mental toughness and you want to push hard. But if you're not seeing the animals you're after, if you're not into it, it is a time to switch areas or to take a day off and reset and then uh, go back with a clear mind. And so um, you're right. Solo hunting, it does give you ultimate freedom to be able to to make your own decisions uh, when you're going to hunt and and sometimes you got to take back come back home to handle something at at business or work or you know whatever the case is but it it does give you absolute freedom yeah for sure and and there's you know solo hunter is is my business it is my brand it is what i do but there's a lot of work that has to be done um besides just the hunting part of it and unfortunately a lot of that work has to be done during hunting season. And so um, there's a whole different level of stresses there. I'm, ne- I'm never going to complain about what I do, but um, it's it's not just all fun and games either, if you're doing it right, I think. Yeah, well, and that's, you know, that goes for all of us too, I think, is um, a lot of times it's stressful to take that time off work, you know, as you, you know that you're counting on other people to take care of things or you know you're going to have to deal with it when you come back. And, and a lot of hunting, too, is, is trying to take care of those responsibilities and make sure you have everything done and people know that you're going to be gone and then you can go enjoy your time. But, yeah, if you're in there in the woods thinking about some call you have to make or some problem you have in your life, you're, you're definitely not hunting, you know, as effective as you could be if you had a clear mind and you're only 
only thinking about you know the hunt and and you're immersed in in trying to kill that deer trying to kill that bull and how you're going to move and how you're going to glass the next basin like i love that when i'm in a hunt and uh but i it, it's something that i that I have to really work at to make sure that I have all my responsibilities taken care of. Otherwise, I, I'm not in that mindset that I need to be in. I think this thing is just like anyone, you know, that has a responsible job back home or, or something. It's like it, there's there's times when work has got to be on your mind when you're out there hunting, you know, and, and it's it's just another one of the challenges is to try to enjoy the hunt regardless of what type of work's going on at home, you know, or what what's going on you got to be able to to work through that and enjoy it it's just another another part of it oh yeah it absolutely yep uh, a facet of it that we that we all have to work on or have to deal yeah. with that responsibility sure gets in the way of good hunting yeah you know, <laughs> some of the best hunters i know are not the most responsible <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I'd like to think I take care of both, but yeah, they're, um, I, I know a couple of those guys as well. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, so, um, when, when you're hunting in that country and you hunt a lot of high country mule deer as I do, um, you, uh, do you day hunt a lot of spots or do you go in and backpack and stay in there or how do you go about hunting a lot of those mountain ranges? A lot of it depends on, you know, the area and the situation and what I'm seeing. Mostly early archery, I mean, here in Nevada and in, and in Utah where I've hunted early archery, like it's August. Um, when I first moved to Nevada, it was always August 1st that, that the bow hunts would start up. Now it's, I think, the 10th, 9th or 10th or somewhere around there normally. So a lot of the action happens early morning or, or in the evenings. And so if you... If I find a buck that I want to go after, which is generally pretty often because I'm not very picky, then I am hunting a lot during the day because if I watch him go into his bed or he, or he crests over the, the ridge and I need to find out where he's going to bed, then I've got to move and transition during the day. And then you try to pick him up in his bed and, and you're, you're hunting. But if I don't see a, a buck in the morning in, in the areas where, where the other deer are, well, then I spend a lot of time here in Nevada. Like I feel like you got to stay mobile, so I'll I'll move a lot and do a lot of traveling during the day more so than I will actually just sitting and glassing. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do that as well. I do like you say, sitting on the master vantage mornings and evenings and making sure I'm sitting on the prime spot. But it's amazing. Those bucks get up and switch beds throughout the day or they'll get up and feed a little bit and in that August is the perfect season to to hunt the those mule deer, the high country mule deer with your bow because they even in um even at August 10th, they still, a lot of them have their red coats. Some of them have their gray coats, which really blend in, but a lot of them still have that red coats, and they just have that that uh, that early season mindset those mule deer do where they're just, um, they don't have their, their programs tightened up as much like for pre-rut where they just disappear in the timber all day long. Like they're just a little bit more relaxed. Uh, they'll come out and feed throughout the day for a little bit and change beds or, um, and so yeah, if you're mobile and you, you just choose good spots to sit down, but you keep working around those drainages and grab different points and glassing into the shadows and, um, yeah, you, you can catch a lot of those bucks middle of the day covering country, it seems to me. Yeah, my, my favorite time to hunt mule deer is before they shed their velvet and after the rut or post-rut, you know, late season. Like, to me, those are the two best times to kill a good mule deer. 
when you when you start getting into the hard horn stage, whether it's September and certainly into October when they're when they disappear, like those are hard times to hunt. And that's where, you know, for me, people say that gun hunting is so much easier. And it's like, well, it just depends on the time of year. You know, there's there's to me, there's nothing more difficult than hunting for a big mule deer with a rifle in October because they're just not very visible, you know, and it's a, and it's a difficult time of year. Whereas hunting them with a bow in August is kind of pretty easy to find them, you know, so. Yeah, easy to find them, hard to kill them, you know, and rifle season is, is hard to find them, easy to kill them, not easy to kill them, don't get me wrong. They have tight programs and you got to catch them in the right space, but I'm I'm with you, you know, uh, and I I hunt exclusively with my bow, but I've hunted a lot with a rifle and a lot with my family and I enjoy it and learned a lot throughout the years. But yeah, I don't know that that rifle season is any easier because you've you've got that, and, and then you've got like those bucks move off those alpine basins, move down to secondary ridges and shoots and slides. They they almost turn into vampires, not showing themselves very often throughout the day. You know, living in that thick cover, feeding at night, and, and then also you have the pressure, and those bucks can feel that pressure too. And that that rifle pressure is just different than the bow pressure. Um, they they just seem to keep in on it and so yeah it makes them tighten up even even harder them and the the elk and the seasons that you get to hunt with a rifle you you don't usually get good seasons to hunt with a rifle it's usually you know the toughest time to hunt elk post rut and the toughest time to hunt mule deer pre-rut you know those are your seasons you get so i'm with you it's extremely difficult no matter which weapon you choose yeah and i you know i haven't every once in a while i they toy with the idea of just going straight archery and all that but it's like man i just i like to gun hunt sometimes and there's there's certain animals that in my opinion are made to be smacked with a rifle and so uh i haven't i haven't gone the full full archery yet i don't understand you guys that do but i certainly respect it it's because it's tough well and i you know, I learned so much over the years, and in that hunting, like here in Montana, we get a late elk season that goes through October and then November, and it's a long season. And I, I gained a ton of my experience, um, you know, rifle hunting bulls in that late season. I think hunting bulls that late season, just like you said, there's animals that are meant to be smacked with a rifle like that. That late season hunting a bull with with my rifle, that was as fun to me, and as as I have memories that are just as fun as hunting elk in the middle of the rut. Like I think that's something that everybody needs to experience: that deep snow, that cold, and trying to find the those bachelor herds or single bulls that are way in the backcountry. Like I really enjoy that, and I I really enjoy hunting with family. And yeah, I I, I like the. I'm I'm really drawn to getting close and the thrill of shooting something with my bow, but um, it it's definitely is a challenge with the rifle, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, the guy's got to do what he wants to do. I just think all you guys that just go straight archery are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you, you're probably right. Uh, we probably are a little crazy, um, but yeah, it's it's just something that I've been drawn to, and I. I hunt uh, a bunch of different seasons, but you know, for me, it's like um, you know, my opportunity has has to match you know my goals, and so you know, I just started to get good opportunity and started filling 
you know, pretty much all my tags every year with my bow, and, and it was like I'd, I'd harvest something with a rifle, and then I'd go, man, I'd really like to kill that bull with a bow. And so pretty soon I just came to the reality or the mindset that you know if I put all my effort into this bow, I will kill a bull like that with my bow. And so that's what, I, what I've been doing the last 10 years or so, and I, I've really enjoyed it and really enjoyed the process. But sometimes it does get difficult and it does get frustrating, but that's just part of it. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're definitely right there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it's um, it's been a fun learning experience, but I I never would be where I'm at today if I didn't if I didn't rifle hunt really hard for mule deer and elk. I learned a ton uh, throughout those years, and you get like um. The, the more experience you can get, the better hunter you're going to be. And so, you know, for, for guys coming up, take advantage of the bow seasons and the rifle seasons because it's all out there learning and, and gathering information and getting better. Yeah, yeah. And experience, you know, comes from opportunity, and experience is the greatest teacher. There's nothing that can teach you about animals more than just spending a lot more time out there. And, you know, I think I think for me it's, it's more, you know uh, – by hunting with a rifle or with a muzzleloader or with a slingshot or whatever else, it just extends the season. Uh, there's more opportunities during during other times of the year to be able to go. But um, yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, it's all experience, and experience is the best teacher. Uh, yeah, there's there's definitely no better teacher out there. And it's also paying attention to experience. You know, like um, for me. It's like looking at a stock that went wrong and learning from it. It's it's not, you know. I think sometimes it's it's easy to come up with an excuse than to blame yourself or to 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 figure that you did make a mistake when you were stalking that deer. That maybe you should have waited for a better win or been more patient. You know, a lot of times, and I think I'm opposite of you. Like I get too aggressive with animals and I'll mess up my opportunity. You know, where it seems to me um, that that you're more patient when you find the animal that you're after. Definitely. If if I have a flaw, it's that I'm too cautious a lot of times. Um, you know, I just I tend to be I tend to be a little bit more passive than I do would be aggressive. I would say. Yeah. See, I, every animal I see, I think I can go kill with my bow, and so I, <laughs> well, I'll race over there. And, kill it, right? It is. Um, and I, I try not to to make it. I try not to stalk recklessly. Like I don't want to make those mistakes. So I stated that wrong. But I do hunt aggressively. Like I always think I can kill that animal, and and um, so I've got to I've got to really pull back the reins on myself too when I when I find a good buck and say, hey, let's just watch him, because it seems like the longer you sit with an animal and you watch him and you know his whereabouts like you're able to just catch them making a mistake or putting themselves in a bad position and so the longer you can kind of stay in striking distance or keep track of that animal you know the the better your odds of getting all those conditions right with the the wind and the noise like waiting in the afternoon for getting those those directional breezes that kind of hide your sound and so uh, you know, for me, I really got to pull back the reins and be more patient, but it is a fine line. Like it's tough to draw that line because hunting there, there is no right and wrong until you mess up, then that's a wrong or until you get it right, then that's a right. But, um, you know, it, it's really like a line that you have to draw where you have to be comfortable with it. I think I hate to mess up. <laughs> so I, I always just wait cautious, but you know, it, a lot of it comes to with, well, sometimes, sometimes it's fun to just sit and observe, you know, and sometimes it's just fun to just be a part of it, you know. And that's, I think a lot of times when I've seen things that, that I've seen that really stand out in, life, in my life, it's because I've, 
was being very passive at that time, you know, or I was just sitting there and doing nothing. I, I can remember one time where I went on a camping trip with uh, some buddies from college and we got to the trailhead. This is in central Idaho up Copper Basin. We got to the trailhead at about, I don't know, seven or eight o'clock at night just before dark and everybody was setting up camp. And I thought, well, shoot, I don't, I don't want to sleep down here. I want to be up fishing in the morning. So I just loaded up my bag and told my brother I'd see him in the morning and took off. And got, I don't know what time I got up there, but just got to the lake, rolled out my, my bedroll. And the next morning I thought, well, I can either go fishing or I can sit here and just look and see. So I just walked out to this outcropping and just sat there. And after about an hour, um, a wolverine came up over the top, over, up to this one little lake. And then right at shortly after, there was two of her kits came up and they circled around the lake that I was looking at. I think it was Baptie Lake, actually, that I was looking at from, I was sitting up on the bench up by Betty. And just looking down there and I watched these wolverines. And this is in the late 90s. So there's not supposed to be wolverines around, you know. And yet here they are. And they come up and went right up the shale suit right next to me and, and up over the top. And the whole time I was thinking, man, I wish I had a video camera. But it was just because I was just being lazy. I was being passive and, you know, just sitting on my butt. And there's been a lot of times when I've been able to see things that were really cool because I was sitting on my butt. Yeah, it's amazing when you slow down and you sit down, like how many times there'll be a buck that cruises by you or a bowl or a, something happens. Like just sitting down and being quiet and taking it all in and oh, things yeah. happen. Like sometimes I'm just moving and pushing so hard that I, I don't allow those opportunities to be patient and to be still and to kind of let things move into me. But you're right. Things happen when you when you sit down and when you when you are patient. And and um, so definitely a, a good lesson to learn. Well, and it doesn't happen all the time either, you know. I mean, I was something with my butt, one of my high school buddies this this fall during rifle season. And my, it was actually my brother Boyd had a elk tag, and so we were all kind of hunting for him. And I was with my buddy, and we're going up the trail where we usually do. And I stopped, and he got quite a ways in front of me. But I can just I just sat there and watched a really nice buck cross over the, the saddle and, and work its way across and drop down in. And the whole time – you know, my buddy's just hiking, and that I, you wonder how many times that happens to you, where you got your head down, you're walking up the trail, and how many critters, you know, you could have seen if you were just being a little bit more patient or a little slower, or maybe just happened to glance up. Oh, isn't that the truth? I, I'm sure hundreds, if not thousands, we walk by. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. But there too, like, um, I always feel like I've got to get in the game rich areas. Like our public land has a lot of game, but that you know, it doesn't mean that their populations are spread out throughout our public lands. They're they're condensed into you know pockets, and so I always feel like I'm trying to find that pocket of condensed game. And so there's a lot of country that that isn't holding much. That you know, if you're still yeah. hunting through or really taking your time so there again it's just such a fine line and i can remember you know i, I wanted to kill a giant buck and um you know i had these these goals of this you know 200 inch mega buck and so you know as i start traveling country i find one of these bucks and i find myself almost being too patient where i was scared to make a move and scared to trust my instincts because i wanted him too bad where and then i just sat day after in watching him waiting for him to make a mistake but i I just wasn't aggressive enough to pull the trigger because I didn't want to screw it up where eventually you, you got to just go, okay, conditions are right or they're in my favor. It's a high percentage chance. I'm going all in here. This is where I'm yeah. risking it. But like on that buck, I mean I sat on that buck 
quite a few days and didn't make a play. And then when I finally did make a play, I ended up spooking them anyways and had to start over. So I can definitely get too passive as well. So it is a fine line. Yeah, I don't I don't think that there's any right or wrong. There's just you either did this or you did not, you know. Um, and that's that's kind of what's fun about it is there's there's no there's no rule book to hunting. You know, there's no way to teach yourself how to hunt other than to get out there and experience it and do it. And when you find success, then that's what you kind of base your knowledge on is, okay, what did I do to make that successful versus what I did two days ago that made that I failed miserably, you know, and it's just being able to have the mindset about you to, to, to compartmentalize your successes and your failures. If you want to get better, you know, there's, there's, there's one thing to just go out and recreate and hunt recreationally and just experience it and do it and find some success or not. But it's another thing to really go out and attack something to want to be better and to want to be good at it and to succeed at it more often. And when you have that mindset, then all of a sudden, you know, then you're taking notes. Then you're like, okay, this buck, I saw this buck here. Why was he here? Well, let me check. What was the wind direction when he was there? What were, what were the other deer doing? What time of day was it? You know, what time of year was it? Uh, you know, all these different things that you start to, to look at in every scenario and just build a database of information of what these animals do with certain type of pressure or winds or times of year. And, and eventually you're going to get better at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's how you, um, develop your hunting style, isn't it? It's from learning from your failures and your successes. And that's how we all get our, our hunting style from whether it's moving and aggressive or whether it's patient or or even with elk whether it's spot and stalk or whether it's calling it all comes down to you know, your personal experiences and the the guys that you hunt with but i think everybody has just a little bit different style as they go about country and and like you said there is no right or wrong and, and there's there's more than one way to skin a cat you know there there's more than one way to be successful i've just kind of found my way and so that's what i trust and and that's what i know how to do and 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 that's what you found is you found your style of hunting that works for you uh that 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 you found but i i think that's interesting how uh we how we find different styles to hunt just from our experiences maybe the guys that are really good hunters have just failed a lot more than we have you know so they've been able to to learn it a lot faster than we did (laughs) it seems like there's some guys that are just they're just good they just have that that sense about them and they just have it all dialed and can make it happen more often than not. I, I think that's definitely it. Um, learning from their failures and um, getting better along the way. And, and yeah, it seems like all of us, like you have to make all those mistakes and learn from them before you get better. And, and then the next time you're presented with that scenario, you know, hopefully you make the right move and don't keep making the same mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a lot more mistakes to make. Oh, I do too. I I learn every season. Well, and that's, you know, full circle to what we were talking about is that you just never stop learning in the hunting world, in the hunting woods. You know, you're, you're just always evolving and, and always trying to get better, at least guys like us. Or with anything for that matter, you know, I mean, it's like if you ever get to the point with anything that you feel like uh, enough's enough, you know, or it's good enough, like you should always be trying to better yourself at some things i would think whether it's hunting or golf or anything else isn't that the truth um 
Yeah, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I thought when I had to be an adult, I'd have it all figured out. But even in life, I'm still learning, being a father and being a husband and, like you say, fishing and hunting and, and my construction business. And, and that's all evolving all the time. And even though my age says I'm an adult now, like I'm still just learning and gathering information and trying to get better. And I'm I'm still making mistakes, like uh, like our podcast the other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gosh, I feel like it's funny. I'd like to look at, like – you know, my dad or people when I was a kid growing up, guys, guys that were in the, the turn 40 and that. And I was like, man, they're so mature. They're so old. They're making all these big boy decisions. And then I, then here I get to this point and then I'm thinking, am I ever going to grow up or when am I, when am I going to get big and, and have, have big things start to happen, you know? But I think it's just, it's, it's just a mindset, I suppose, you know, I, it's just all it's all a stage, it's just all part of, of growing up and it's all just a part of life is just transitioning from one stage to the next. Yeah, it is. And um, trying to get better as we go. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, um, I sure appreciate it, Tim. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to you. Like, I can't wait to meet you face to face and um, sit down and have another conversation with you. Um, you just got such great insight. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Solo Hunter TV. Um, so, guys, make sure to check that out, Outdoor Channel, or, or go to your website. Uh, is that SoloHunter.com, Tim? Yeah, SoloHNTR.com, or you can you can Google Solo Hunter. It'd be pretty hard to miss it. So perfect. And then you can watch all the the newest episodes from season nine um, that are going to be coming out here in the next month or so. Yep. So season eight aired on TV last year, and it's starting to be uploaded onto YouTube this year. Season nine will go to all access as soon as as the episodes are finished. So could be in the next couple weeks, could be in the next couple months, but definitely before July or August, they'll all be up there and then they'll go to TV. And then a year from now, season nine will go to YouTube when we're releasing season 10 onto all access. So gotcha. So, um, process you, in a nutshell. Yep. You explained that earlier that you said, uh, after the show's been out on the outdoor channel for a year, then you can release it on YouTube and then it's free content. Is that correct? Yeah, a lot of it just depends on the contracts that you have. My contracts, um, I had, I have to wait a year after they, their last, or six months after their last air date before I can release those publicly, digitally. And all, all that stuff is, is changing. You know, I mean, there's, there's a chance we may not be on Outdoor Channel this year. We may be somewhere else, or we may be doing something different. But regardless, the Solo Hunter show and content will continue and, and Remy and I are still working together, and, and everything's good. You just never know what the future might bring. I mean, ideally, it would be cool to be picked up by Netflix or something like that, but you never know. So um, the only thing that I can count on is the fact that I'm going hunting, and my camera is coming with me, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to record record a few more episodes, and then we'll crank out some more, some more content. Wow. Uh, well, I like it. I'm a huge fan to, of yours and Remy and, and your guys' product that you guys are, are putting out there. And so uh, I know you guys will, will have a home for the, the show to be and, and always on, on YouTube and then on your website. So thanks again, Tim. I really appreciate it, Thank man. You. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, guys. That's a wrap. Uh, another episode in the books. So I actually hit the record button this time. <laughs> Um, but no, it wasn't the issue, but, uh, yeah, I actually got the recording. I'm a little gun shy now after you mess one up, but, uh, it was really nice of Tim to record a second time and, 
and I uh, just had a good time getting to know him and having these conversations with him. He's just one of the best in the business at, at capturing those solo hunts and, and putting them together, which is so extremely difficult. And then, like I say, a lot of his hunts are on public land, same places that we're hunting. So, um, you know, I, I can definitely appreciate that. So uh, thanks again to Tim for being on the podcast. Sponsor for today's show is High Mountain Seasonings. Uh, again, they're a new sponsor, uh, but I, their products are not new to me. I've been using their jerky seasoning. Um, like I say, I like their pepper seasoning. Um, gosh, they've got everything for snack sticks, for, for summer sausage. for um, They've even got marinades for steaks. <clears throat> so just a, a great company, and um, thanks to those guys for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, they've, you can find them on their website, uh, High Mountain Seasonings, and uh, find all their products there. Uh, again, over there at Eastman's, just working hard on the the podcast and beyond the grid, and just trying to take this thing to the uh, to the next level. Um, trying to have quality guests mixed in with my buddies, mixed in with solo podcasts. Is you uh, you do uh, enough of these, you you kind of start to find your niche, and I I definitely think that's ours. And it's just um, getting out quality hunting information and and uh, getting together with quality guys and talking hunting. Um, so really, still really enjoying the platform and really enjoying putting these things together. Um, I know Eastman's, we're also working really hard at the Beyond the Grid, the Internet TV show, and and then our main staples, of course, the magazine. I've got a new project I'm I'm writing for the next issue in there, and and then also our show on the Outdoor Channel, and I'm um, hoping to to draw a couple decent tags and be able to capture a couple hunts on film for those. So um, exciting time for us over here at Eastman's and uh, we're just going to keep plugging away and putting out good content and, and uh, putting out good information. So um, thanks to you guys for all the support. Uh, you know, I got a lot of comments off that last solo episode where it was this really, um, it was introspective and, and really honest just about the, the thoughts that were running through my head and just uh, it's a lot about balance and family and taking care of responsibilities in real life, you know, al- along with some hunting um, insight there into my hunting world and what I'm thinking about. So um, it it really felt like I was putting myself out there and I, you know, I wasn't sure how it was going to be received or if guys were going to like it. So uh, thanks a bunch for all the positive comments. Um just gives me confidence in the in the content we're putting out there and and uh, confidence in the those solo podcasts so um i i just can't say enough good things and uh so thanks you guys for all the support and um i'll check in with you guys next week